Westworld Season 1, Episode 1. The original is over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps, starting our Westworld coverage on Post Show Recaps. Welcome to Westworld, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. I am Josh Wiggler, normally joined here by Joe Garfine. Joe is on a much-needed vacation. Uh, bad timing is at the start of the season, but what are you going to do? But we have a very, very, very excellent special guest filling in for Joe, somebody who knows a thing or two about podcasting with Joe to begin with. This is somebody who always is questioning his reality, as far as I can tell. AJ Mass. AJ, what's going on? Have you ever found any answers to the nature of your existence? Hello. Well, no. No, I have not. Always I, I, searching. I, I'm always searching. I'm a searcher. You are I, a searcher. I'm not a finder. I'm not a Hufflepuff. No. <laughs> You're not Hufflepuff. What house are you in? Do you know the, the answer to that? You see, uh, like, maybe Gryffindor. like Ravenclaw-ish, Gryffindor, somewhere in that spectrum. I'm Gryffindor. Yeah. yeah. Everyone yeah. thinks they're Gryffindor. And my Patronus is 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 a uh, is a uh, cat. Mm. Um, which uh, uh, mine is a wild cat, actually. Yeah, what was mine called? It was a uh, a tortoise shell cat, which is funny because I actually there's a stray cat in my neighborhood who <laughs> always comes to my back door is a tortoise shell cat. So the picture they put it. up, I oh was like, God. oh my gosh, my. I've been summoning my returnus the whole time. I didn't know it. Now, are you sure that that's because you're a magician, or is it because you share the supernatural powers of Walt from Lost and you are summoning animals to your doorstep? Well, no one. None of these animals are actually crashing into the uh, doorstep and dying. Not so yet. It's, not that's yet. not Walt. Yeah, that's, that's the next step. That's when things <laughs> get really advanced. Should we talk about Westworld, or should we just talk about like every other show that exists that's not Westworld? Mister Robot, uh, that has robots in it. There you go. In there the title, you go. I, I think people want to hear about Westworld. <laughs> sure. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Westworld. Of course, AJ has it going. It's going good. It's going good. It's it's so exciting to uh, because you know it's not TV. It's HBO. Yes. But it's nice to have like I love the fact that there's always like a show in this in this time slot that you can you can get behind and start start really diving into. Yeah, Sunday night's always a good night of TV, or it's it's nice when it's a good night of TV. I guess it's not always a great night of television, but Sundays are you know very traditionally thought of as like the prime TV spot. And here we go. We've got- I would say your statement is very true. <laughs> true season two. <laughs> yeah, true season two or true blood every season uh no the first two seasons were pretty good of true blood uh but here we are westworld has launched we have our podcast going on here on poster recaps joe garfine and i are going to be recapping every single episode of westworld season one again she is away this week aj is stepping in in her place aj knows a thing or two about podcasting with joe you guys are the co-hosts of the Dropship, the hundred podcast once again to talk about a different show that is not westworld can you share some insight into what it feels like and what the experience is like to dig into a show on a weekly basis with joe garfine who is one of the great conspiracy theorists of television coverage i'm telling you it is it is great because um she does not sleep apparently (laughs) uh uh, after the show she probably watches it uh, another second or third time and just rivaling antonio mazzaro in the rewatch department yes and and she will come up with like nuanced theories and 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 postulations and and they're always fantastic to dive into and the best thing about joe i think is is she's willing to embrace your ideas as well and 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 change on the fly so it's not just like my way or the highway um it's all it's all work in progress and 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 it's great you are are very fortunate is that uh she does not have the screeners uh for the west world uh she got the first four episodes of this last season of the hundred and therefore had to kind of like really hold back on on the theorizing because she had uh, seen in advance uh but when unfettered by that oh my goodness she's going to have have at least 15 pages i'm sure uh of, of the first like 
scene. Yeah, indeed. The, the tables have turned this time, as Joe pointed out, that I am the one with Westworld screeners, and she is the one who is waiting week by week. So I have to be slightly coy. I have seen the first four episodes of the series. That's out there in the open. I will rein myself in. I'm pretty trained on this stuff from covering Game of Thrones and Walking Dead. Both shows I have read the source material on. I think that I'm pretty good at biting my tongue. So hopefully that is going to be totally okay here. You guys be the judge. You let me know if I'm being bad, but I think that I'll be pretty good over here. Uh, but excited to talk about Westworld with you, AJ. I know you're a huge sci-fi guy. You love science fiction. This is a pretty wild and out there sci-fi premise stemming from the Michael Crichton movie of the same name from the 1973 era. What are you thinking of Westworld so far? You know, even maybe before you started watching the show, uh, before the premiere, premiere was last night uh, as we were recording this on the Monday after the premiere, going into the premiere, what were your expectations? What were your hopes? What were you thinking walking into Westworld? Well, you know, what I didn't want it, I didn't want it to be like a complete remake of the movie. Um, seeing the movie, so I, I, I what'd you think? The movie? Yeah. Uh, um, the movie, well, it's certainly dated, uh, yes. by, by leaps and bounds. Yes. And I, I think the movie suffered from the fact, uh, and it's something that I think we'll get into here is, is, is that, uh, similarly, um, it's hard to really delineate between the good guys and the bad guys. Uh, in both the movie and right now in the pilot episode of, of, of Westworld, the original, um, it's, it's, it's hard to delineate between the good and bad guys. And I think that to me is a narrative problem that, uh, I'm hoping the show will be able to correct as we move on, but it really, uh, you're in a holding pattern right now. Uh, that was my main problem with this. The movie itself kind of moved quickly through it and kind of rushed through it and it's still, the good guy, bad guy line is so blurry that it, it's hard to take sides. And if, when I'm committing to a series, I really want to take sides. Yeah. And um, there aren't any sides yet. And it's I, I just don't I don't feel there can be. Uh, it, they're kind of the 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 plot and the, the premise kind of constricts them. Yeah, and, and and that's that's my biggest issue with the show right now. Yeah, okay, so we'll definitely chew on all of that. That's really exciting that that's your take because I think what's what's great about the show, or at least the way it starts, and especially if you've seen the movie. And the movie, you know, it's really it's really centered on basically three characters. There's a couple of other people here and there, like in medieval world or whatever. But you're really focusing on two guests who are coming to Westworld for the first time, and the conflict that emerges between really only one of them, and then Yul Brenner as the gunslinger, and that becomes sort of the big thrust of the rest of the movie. Uh, in this, we are, we're thrust into, into Westworld for you know the, the first scenes, the first few scenes or so, thinking that we are following a similar structure of a newcomer who's coming along on the train, played by James Marsden, playing the role of Teddy, and is arriving into town, and is rolling up and meeting Dolores, played by Evan Rachel Wood. And you get this sense that he is, you know, this pretty boy who comes to Westworld, has probably been here before, knows who Dolores is, and by the end of the first act of the episode, by the end of the first 15 minutes or so, it's clear that this guy himself is a host. This guy himself is one of the robots here in Westworld, and in what I think is a really cool subversion, it's the gunslinger, it's the man in black, the Ed Harris character, that's the guest. And he's the one who's impervious, and he's, he's, you know, he's invincible for that reason, because these hosts are designed not to rebel against man. Uh, so I thought that that was a really cool subversion version, and I think that really flips things on its head. And for me, in that moment, you know, talking about, I don't know who I'm supposed to root for. I'm not, I'm not sure what side I'm supposed to 
be on. For me, that draws a pretty hard line that I think that we're being told that the side we're supposed to be on is the side of the hosts, is the side of these people who are here, the quote-unquote livestock of Westworld, that these are the guys, this is the opinion, this is the point of view that we're really being asked to kind of access as hard as that is. Uh, well, I don't disagree. I mean, obviously, we're we're really seeing our, our entrance into this world is through Evan Rachel Wood's character, Dolores, and you know her voiceover and everything. Um, so she's kind of like our entry point as well, uh, combined with. Like you said, this little bait and switch where we think that we're we're going to see, you know, all right. So this is this is one of the the robots or hosts' point of view, and obviously we got Teddy. It's going to be ah oh, one of the guests' point of view or the newcomers as they call them. So we're thinking this is this is kind of where we're going, and it turns out they're both actually hosts. Um, a big big switch uh, at the at the after the end of the first big action sequence and everything. The problem I have though is, is just with the these. The nature of Westworld itself. This yeah. is supposed to be a theme park. By the way, I apologize if I end up saying Westeros World. It was a problem on the preview <laughs> show, and I think it's going to be a recurring thing. I just feel it on the tip of my tongue. It's going to be really hard to avoid. Yeah, well, you know, you hear, you're hearing the, the Ramin Jawadi uh, music, <laughs> yes, and you get exactly. confused. Yes, I'm very confused. It is Westworld. It is Westworld. Westeros. Yes, yes, yes. No, I got you. I got you. But the thing is, like, you have these... The premise of Westworld, it's a theme park, an amusement park, or, or uh, an immersive vacation, if you will, where you pay a buttload of money, you show up, you can interact with these uh, hosts, you can do whatever you want, the sky's the limit. It's it's really a modern-day spin on Fantasy Island, yeah. uh, except it's all Western-themed. Yeah. Uh, we don't know if there are other parks. In the original movie, there were other parks, but for right now, well, let's assume it's just the Western World Park, the West Westworld. No Roman World yet. No sign no. of Roman World as of this. Uh, and really, that would just be Red Shoe Diaries. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, much different things going on there. I mean, sure. if they have Roman World and it's like populated by the cast of Rome from HBO, I might be into that. <laughs> there you go. Hey, yes. And then I guess Medieval World would be Game of Thrones cast. Exactly. Um, but uh, look, let if you're going to this place and you've been told and you honestly believe that, look, these are just animatronic robots, they don't have feelings, I can do whatever I want, this is not the real world, then I can't put any moral or ethical uh, negative on someone who wants to do something bad like shoot people or torture people or kill people because they're not people and they know they're not people and they've been told they're not people. It's kind of like just you know firing up Call of Duty. Do you get angry with someone for shooting up these computer images? Right. Um, so none of the people coming in, none of the newcomers themselves, no matter what they do, can really be put them in the realm of bad guy for me just on the on the basis of what they do. And that's the hard thing I'm trying to do because yes, we're supposed to be seeing that this Ed Harris guy is probably the bad guy. Um, you know, he's he's dressed in all black and that's usually a sign. Um, you know, he's Maybe, you know, it was off camera, but it appears that he is uh, sexually assaulting right. uh, Lars at the beginning. Bad thing to do. Absolutely. Bad start. Bad start, Ed Harris. You're really uh, testing the limits of my Ed Harris crush. But this this is a place where that kind of thing is, is allowed. There isn't any harm to these 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 uh, hosts, at least in terms of as far as we know. Now, once we learn... You know, if a customer comes in and knows that they're going to remember this, or that they they have feelings, and or, or anything like that, that's a different ball game. Right. But that's not the ball game we're in right now. So it's hard for me to feel anything towards these 
hosts in terms of what they are because they're video game characters. They're 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 not sentient beings. Yeah. And, and so even their poor treatment, yeah, it's supposed to get me on their side. I'm having a hard time getting on their side fully until the point, and we know it's coming because that's the premise of the movie. You assume it's the premise of the show as well. When they start to remember things and they do start to feel things and they start to develop their own independence and, and, and intelligence, at that point, sure, then uh, I'm on their side. But I still nece- can't necessarily blame the newcomers for doing it if they're not aware of that. Yeah, no, I think that that's something that's going to have to open up over the course of the series, and I think that that's baked into the premise. You know, I think that that's definitely something, like you said, that's guaranteed to come out eventually. Uh, for me, I think that some of that is already coming out in the premiere. I think one of the cool scenes is, uh, you know, there's the the whole Jeffrey Wright's character, Bernard, is starting to observe the reveries, you know, the reveries that Anthony Hopkins, Robert Ford, is programming into these characters, and they're, like, suggestions of these memories that are... From from long ago, Clementine, one of the workers at the brothel, strokes her her lips, and it's something from her subconscious, some sort of memory. So you know that there is a subconscious there already, and you're seeing some of these other hosts are starting to melt down or malfunction a little bit, and it seems to be a side effect of these reveries, of the subconscious that's going on here. You have uh, Dolores's dad, who sees this photo of a girl in Times Square and is really not able to reconcile that and is starting to have some form of meltdown and is spouting out all sorts of you know biblical knowledge at Anthony Hopkins's character. So you're starting to see how this is messing with people, and it feels like it's a side effect of the fact that some of these people they do still, or not people, some of these hosts still have some memories of prior existences. Uh, that these memories are not completely gone is something that Bernard says that they are being overwritten or they're still in there. They're just not being accessed. So I think that the groundwork is being laid there but i i hear what you're saying in terms of it's just not out there quite yet yeah and it's just just for me it's like yes i can certainly see that um you know anyone who is in favor of the wiping of them once they develop these personalities or and you know the people who are steering this towards let's let's you know just lock them in the basement once once we know that they have like some sort of sentience right yes those would be the bad guys but it's still it still doesn't, um, for me, justify anything. First of all, it doesn't justify any dangers to what's going on in Westworld itself. Because if we can just, you know, clean them up, hose it down, and start over the next day, then again, until they develop these memories, it's no harm, no foul. And that's it's just a struggle I'm having in terms in terms of that. Um, you know, I want to just say, oh, anyone, you know, I want I want the rich people who are paying for this kind of thing to be the bad guys, right. in, in a way. And I can't just yet. I mean, I can't blame that guy and his wife who are just getting involved in the adventure and everything, and like, oh, oh, we can do these things and no one gets hurt. That wow, how that's great. I would never do this in my real life. But well, I think it's the, I think it might be the kind of thing that. Like when we when we're further along, when we're like several yes, several yes. episodes deep, we're going to look back at that moment and see that guy standing over Rodrigo Santoro's wriggling corpse and being so giddy about it. I think we're going to feel very uncomfortable about moments like that. So maybe it's the kind of thing where it's going to play a little bit better retroactively instead of in the first pass. Well, you know, like I said I, I I totally agree that in terms of 
us rooting for the host, which I'm sure we're going to end up rooting for most of the hosts. I, I'm sure there'll be bad hosts too. You know, it's going to become like a mix kind of thing. I, it's not going to be universal. Everybody's good. Everybody's bad kind of thing. But I mean, in rooting for these hosts to kind of uh, get their freedom from from slavery, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, yes, I'm going. You're going to want them to not suffer any of these brutalities. But I think in many ways that they just become these these the the guests of the of the Westworld become these victims themselves because that if they're not told and there's no full disclosure and they're made to do these things that they don't realize are bad um you know it, it becomes you know torture porn at some right. point you know and it's like okay it, waiting for horrible. the Eli Roth directed episode of Westworld yeah I, like I said I, I think to me the show is in a holding pattern until then and if you know by episode you know, next next episode, episode two or episode three, we get there. To me, the success of the show is how quickly we get there. Um, I don't think this is a case where you can delay it and do the slow burn because uh, in that time, again, there's no. To me, there's no danger to any of these people who can't be killed. Um, so there's no there's no drama there until you do something that maybe takes off the fail safe. So okay, now we got something. But until we get to those points that we kind of assume are coming, um, you know, and no, I don't expect them to do that on the pilot. I'm just saying for me, the pilot doesn't work as well as perhaps it would if if this conceit of them not remembering. It, it, did you ever watch Dollhouse by Joss Whedon? Yeah, I did watch Dollhouse. Yes, Obviously, this this the the similarities here are. are impossible to miss i mean it was almost like the exact same thing when these personalities would be wiped um and the dollhouse had the same problem with it is that it took until the end of season one uh for the glitches to start to develop yeah and 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 then the show actually season two of the show is really really really, really good it's one of the strongest runs of any show i've ever seen yeah it's, it's phenomenal but the you know everyone was stuck that in first the, season is tough it's tough it, until right up to the end and it's tough especially because people were having the same problem where they were just like um the the patrons of the service were knew that they could do these horrible things which makes them horrible people but in a way it doesn't it, it, it it's a gray area because they know they're not really hurting anybody the thing that made dollhouse a little different is that they were actually real were, people yeah those are human beings yeah but i'm just saying like in this case it's robots you take they're not real people who have been like kidnapped and, and brainwiped so and, and i think that what the show is trying to do in this first episode and maybe um you know maybe not completely successfully for everybody because i i do think that not having a lot of perspective from the guests you know you really don't see you don't really spend any time basically with any guests in a meaningful way the humans that you're getting to interact with or getting to see interact with other people in this first episode are really on you know like the the corporate side and the scientists and everybody who are safely in headquarters those are the humans that we're really following otherwise within the world of westworld itself we're really following the hosts but i think that the show is trying to establish you know that it's not just robots like it's not just glorified animatronics I think that they're trying to start fleshing out sort of the mythology of what these creatures actually are. And is there a level of sentience to them that we don't understand that even if you're just wiping their mind, that there is still something in there that we don't fully understand. And so I think that the first episode is trying to establish what these creatures are like. Um, I've gotten to interview the showrunners of Westworld, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, the husband and wife duo behind the show. And during our interview for The Hollywood Reporter, they kept talking about them as creatures. 
creatures. Creatures is the word that they use so often when they're, they're not, you know, they're talking about robots as well, but they're really talking about them as this new type of being. And I think that that's an interesting prospect. And I think that that kind of complicates the nature of, is it basically just like you, you're paying thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to go mess up, you know, like a concrete wall, like the like really glorified version of doing, you know, something graffiti to inanimate property. So I think that there's something interesting going on there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and uh, don't get me wrong. The, the acting is really good in this. The look of the show is phenomenal. Um, and it's a pilot. And I'm always willing to say, you know, in a pilot, hook me in with, with the premise of the show. And I don't expect you to have all the T's crossed and I's dotted uh, right off the bat. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, yeah, not a jot or tittle would be wasted. <laughs> yes. But, um, you know, it, you gotta you gotta work that in in episodes two and three to show me that you're in the right direction, and I'm going to be tuning in. Yeah. I mean, this 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 is not something where I said oh, garbage, turn it off by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you, you got a cast like this; it's it's something impressive. Just need a little more. Need a little bit more. I just need a little bit more, gotcha. and I I need a little bit of the show to take a, a defining line in terms of uh, good guys, bad guys, in terms of like. Is is Rodrigo Santoro as as the, the wanted man? Uh, Hector is, Hector Escaton. Is he a bad guy? Right or not? Right. Because if he's going to be one of the hosts and is going to be in the host of the good guys, does he suddenly just do all of them just become like this one unit? Of, or is he still going to be a bad guy within the realm of these good guys? And and that's that's interesting. And I will I will look towards doing that because there should be shades of gray within any group of creatures. Um, but I don't know. I, we don't know anything about them. And because we spent so much time with these storylines that made really – they don't have any impact on the real storyline. Yeah. Um, it, it just – it's a diversion, and, and it, it's, it's not the one I'm signing up for long term. But I understand why it has to be there. It's just, it's just the, it's, it's a pilot. I think one of the cool things you just touched on is like, is Hector going to be a good guy or a bad guy? Like, are we supposed to root for this guy? Here he is in the middle of town. He's in the middle of Sweetwater, robbing the brothel of all places. Like, that's the place he wants to target. Uh, is shooting people up, kills Teddy for the second time in the episode. James Marsden dies. Uh, so that's the kind of thing we're buying into here on this show. But can that guy, is that guy just naturally going to be a villain? Because here he is being presented as a bandit shooting people up. Or is there supposed to be be something sympathetic because he's one of these hosts and are we supposed to sympathize with these hosts and i think what's what's cool and we see it in the abernathy storyline we see it with dolores's father uh who is really having these meltdowns after seeing this picture of the real world unable to process it something is going on with him he ends up getting decommissioned and the very next day dolores is back on her porch and having the same conversation she always has with her father except it's a completely different entity playing the father which suggests that a lot of these people have had different uses and have had different mm-hmm. lives. And Dolores herself being, as it's revealed, the oldest host in Westeros, who knows how many incarnations of Dolores there is. So maybe there was a version of Rodrigo Santoro where he just liked to spend time at the golf course in Westworld and was just like a guy, you know, shooting balls out into the distance and sometimes stealing your diamonds. Who knows? So many different versions of that character are possible. So I think that that's kind of a cool idea and sort of in line with, um, you know, as you mentioned, Dollhouse. I think that that was something that once Dollhouse really found its footing, was able to do really well. The multiple lives of these sort of blank slates and the hidden histories that these people might have. 
Yeah, yeah. And and then please, can we get uh, Enver Gokash and, and Dick Lockman on the show? Because they, <laughs> yes. they, they did that, that uh, acting very well. Uh, by the way, uh, all of you out there, drink. He Westeros. Drink. <laughs> I Westeros. Uh, yes, I Westeros. Oh, my God. I'm going to Westeros so many times. I, I, I caught it. Uh, <laughs> all right. So is that uh, just one? Let's, let's, let's start keeping track from here. Yeah, yeah. So that's one Westeros. I, I, I think yeah, you're absolutely right. I think we, we need to know a lot more about who these individuals are as individuals, these creatures. And I don't think we've met any of them as individuals. We've met them as these programmed uh, personality storylines. And until we meet them and get to know who they are, that's where we're going to get our allegiances. Because I'm sure when Dolores becomes, you know, Dolores... X or whatever you want to call her, the, the, the you know, liberated, uh, hey, I, I no longer have to be wiped version right. of herself. Right. Who knows what she's going to be like? Um, is she going to retain this Western, you know, Southern Belle kind of persona kind of thing? Or you know? is it the, take the accent off, right? Like, right, is, exactly. Is that, Which is, one are we going to do? Right. right. I think that and there's that, a good hook at the end of the episode, though, where not only do you find out that Dolores is the oldest host in Westeros, but then she kills the fly. Like, she's, you know, yes. she's on the porch, and then she smacks the fly. So that's the sign of the glitch in the programming is starting to starting to emerge, and some harm to a living organism is possible with these hosts. So I think that, that, I think that that's a really clever hook to the end of the first episode. Yeah, and they did that. In, I mean, it was very much uh, reminiscent into Alfred Hitchcock's psycho with the whole the whole thing when Norman Bates finally goes into the psych ward and he just stays still and, and he lets the fly go on his face and right. you know the voiceover you know he wouldn't even harm a fly yes. and so the, I, it, it definitely there's there's you know this is cinematically very well done and that, that I certainly caught that illusion the other thing I will say is that um, just as we still have to wait to pass judgment on which of these these hosts are good versus bad uh, going forward I think to me I'm not necessarily sold that the gunslinger is going to be a bad guy yeah in sure long term so let's talk, I, let's talk that through you know we've got Ed Harris on the show who is playing the man in black the gunslinger it's a subversion of that character from the Westworld movie uh, is you know at least presented in this light in a pretty nefarious way highly 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 suggested that there's some sexual violence between him toward Dolores in the barn that we are not shown um, but who knows what's actually going on in there there's there's you know, all sorts of possibilities that could be happening in that scene. But do you think that there is a possibility that there is more than meets the eye with this character in terms of is this somebody who, like, for example, with Lost, with, uh, you know, with a character like Ben Linus, who comes off as so squirrely and so slimy and so villainous in his first several appearances, but maybe as somebody that you grow some sympathy toward as you go on down the line? Are you seeing the possibility of that with Ed Harris's character? Yeah, because, they I mean, they establish right off the get-go that he's been coming here for 30 years. He's, like, their oldest customer, um, and he certainly has history with with Dolores, though she doesn't remember any of it, or at least not yet. And that's really um, fun too when he like sees Teddy. He's like, ah, oh, Teddy, freaking Teddy! Like just the way he talks to these people, because you can, you get the sense that he's been you know through several rodeos with these people. Like he has definitely encountered these exact hosts numerous times, probably more times than he could count. Sure, and, and by the way, can, can every time every time Teddy dies, can we can we do the South Park cry? <laughs> oh my God, they killed Teddy! You, you bastards! bastards. Because <laughs> yeah. we'd be at two and counting, right? It's, it's really <laughs> kind of crazy. Yeah, they killed Teddy almost as many times as I've said Westeros world. <laughs> but here's the thing. Uh, what is his motivation? That, that I'm, I'm inter- interested in what his motivation is because he keeps coming back. It's, it's obviously not a cheap ticket, although... So he's got to have some money or he's got to have you know, some money. subsidized. 
and he's got you know if you were to come back look i love disney world as much as the next guy but i'm not going to go every weekend for the rest of my life at some point you go jeez this, this place is getting old well, i mean maybe if you lived in orlando you know, <laughs> but even so you get my point it's like he's he's oh not these guys yeah 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 he's clearly searching for something and he's looking for something there's, there's something behind it and maybe he's connected to this incident that went wrong 30 years ago since he's been coming for 30 years it's right. a connection so I, I mean i'm interested in that kind of perhaps uh, breadcrumb dropping of of what's to come in terms of the, the grand storyline do you think that there's any possibility that he is not human and that he is like some sort of sophisticated host that we don't know about or he perhaps doesn't even know about yet uh it, yeah well it's certainly possible i mean he the clearly the safeguards or whatever of him being a newcomer are in place, but it, 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 it's hard for me to truly believe though, if he has any interaction with the, the crew, uh, the scientists or anything that they wouldn't know, (laughs) you know, wouldn't they know that he's one of their robots? They keep all their robots. Right. Um, so that hey, one's missing, you know, or something. I don't know. Or, or it's some sort of experiment. It's like something maybe. that, you know, yeah. maybe Hopkins's character that Robert Ford is in on. And sure. Like maybe, a, maybe he's the only one who maybe he's, uh, you know, yeah, he's the one I can talk to. And he's the one who uh, killed Richard Benjamin 30 years ago. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah they just, <laughs> I don't know. They, they had to give Yul Brenner a facelift because his face had melted off. So, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of questions that are raised that, uh, that I do find, uh, worth exploring going forward. Uh, um, it's just, it's so black and white right now. And, and, and I, I, I don't necessarily think that I I'm on the same page with the show as of yet as to which side everybody's on. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, you mentioned before the 30 years, like there's a line that Westworld hasn't experienced a crit failure for 30 years, that it's been a long time. So that suggests that something really, really bad happened three decades earlier for one. And the other, I think almost even bigger deal is Westworld is at least 30 years old. This is a place that has been around for a bit. Um, do you like the concept of Westworld as this place with this rich history that it's been around for so long, that there's all of this different story material that we could possibly mine moving forward? Yeah, well, it, it's definitely, it's not the same thing. I mean, look, it's Michael Crichton. It's a, it's an amusement park where people can experience a once-in-a-lifetime experience. What could possibly go wrong? I think we've heard that before, and it, it, it's dinosaurs and a whole bunch of sequels. So um, the fact that this has been around for three years, it's an established thing. It's not a new thing. Uh, it, it, it helps provide the opportunity for tons of flashbacks, which is great, uh, because you're not, you know, let's flash back to five weeks ago when we were first opened. <laughs> you know, there's not much <laughs> right, you sure. there. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, it, it, it lends itself to this kind of, uh, you know, what I was saying, where people have a trust in the brand. So there's time for the corp spin to brainwash people into thinking that this is okay, which is, again, why I can't blame the, the guests of this park. Um, but it, it, it lends credence to the idea that this isn't something new that people are trying. People know what to expect when they come to Westworld. Yeah. It makes you wonder what the world outside of Westworld looks like. You know, you know, this is obviously this is where the technology is, where they can have such a sophisticated theme park, where they have, uh, you know, much 
better than animatronic robots going around. Like these are very, very complicated organisms that they're creating here. What does the world outside of this place look like? And you're seeing some suggestions of that, I think, um, with the, uh, what's the name of the character? Teresa. Teresa is the person who's sort of like the sort of skeptic who seems to be connected to the corporation that's backing Westworld. And she has that scene with Sizemore, who's the narrative director. And he's suggesting that there is a higher purpose to what the corporation's interest in Westworld is. And she says something to the effect of, you're smart enough to know that there's a bigger picture, but not smart enough to see the bigger picture. And I'm curious about that sort of meta story of how does that relate to the technology that exists in the world outside of Westeros? I was just about to do Westeros world. (laughs) Drink. Drink. (laughs) So what what does that look like? You know, what is that world? Where are these people, you know, these people who are so super wealthy that they are able to come to Westworld and really drop bank and really explore this place and live it up and have access to this technology? What does that greater world look like? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I... I didn't particularly care for that scene, though. It, it seemed very, very writery, very wordy, and very much just the "Hey, let's float the hint of a big bad here" without actually having it mean anything. It was more MacGuffin than actual plot point for me. And I, I you know, there's so much going on and, and so much story to get into that it, it just it, there was too much time spent on it if they're not going to address it immediately and. I don't think it, the show needs it just yet. You don't need, you know, it's like the, the, the first X-Files. You introduce Mulder, you introduce Scully, and, and you don't really need to suddenly have 67 miles of conspiracy piled up on top of it <laughs> for the show to work. Right, so you don't need to, like, plant that flag of in your very first episode of what sort of, like, the meta picture seemingly is going to be. That's certainly yeah, what they have done here, I think. Um, yeah, and, and look, it's 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 fine. It, 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 it's, like I said, you have... 10 episodes uh, to, to get through and, and, and I just hope that it isn't a lot of build to like a season finale where one thing happens. I, I hope it's it's a very quick rise of the of the sentient beings and, and some sort of mayhem that goes on so that lines can be drawn sooner rather than later and then at some point if they want to call in the cavalry and say, oh look, uh, you know I got the call from Corp, shut it down, shut right. it down, you know, then then it's very, at that point sure, bring them on in. Well, who are some of the characters, you know, in terms of potential? Because I think that that's something that we're talking about here is like there's a lot of potential here. If things aren't, you know, like completely being sold for you yet, there's a lot of potential with a lot of these different characters and with the themes and the stories that are in place right now, the further along they evolve. Who are some of the characters, if you've got one or two, that you're really keeping an eye on in terms of the potential of that character to be really, really interesting, whether that's because of something that happens with the character in this first episode or just by virtue of the actor being awesome? Well, I mean, I think the only two characters that really clicked for me at all um, were Jeffrey Wright as, as uh, Bernard, Lo- yeah. Bernard Lowe and, uh, you know, and Hopkins as Dr. Robert Ford because they're the guys kind of in charge. They're, they're the guys who may have the secrets. They're, they're the guys who understand the science but don't seem to have a firm grasp on interaction with people. And, you know, they're more comfortable with these machines and working on code than working with people. And, yeah, that's cliche, but when you have a whole creature base that's going to come up and rise up, uh, that's going to be important that, that you're able to identify with these as, as you know, people you'd rather deal with than the humans themselves. I, I think watching them interact was, was, was interesting. Um, I think the two of them... 
certainly, I, I want to know more about their relationship with each other. I want to know what's going on. Are they intentionally doing these things and just covering their asses? Like, what's going on? Are they trying to uh, intentionally give sentience to these creatures or not? And is it really an accident? Is it really a mistake? Uh, I think that's that's the most interesting to me. Like I said, I like a lot of the actors who are on the, the host side of the equation. This cast is pretty killer. You know, it's no, just... Evan Rachel Wood did an amazing job. Tandy Newton did an amazing job. Yeah. Like they, they were all fun to watch. Even I'll even begrudgingly say, I, I like Paolo. <laughs> <laughs> I like Paolo is, uh, maybe among my favorite three words that have ever been said on post show recap. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm like, but None of these characters can resonate with me or, or stick with me until I know that these are the characters that they're sticking with. Right. These, like, these are the things that were imprinted and assigned on them. And yes, there are great philosophical questions that I'm sure will arise, like are you the sum of your memories? Uh, are you the sum of your imprinting? Uh, if you take away your memories, how can you grow? I, I, like That kind of stuff, the philosophical nature of this, once things go into full swing, are going to be really cool to explore, I believe. I just... Uh, as a pilot, I'm very underwhelmed by this. It's just that they're dealing with such high concept stuff that is so hard. I get is so hard to to lay out there and say, "Hey, watch! It's going to be about this kind of stuff." Totally. <laughs> you know, you like the writer himself says, "You know, oh, we just need to have a massacre with lots of blood. People love <laughs> blood." I mean, I think it's a comment, a meta comment. And perhaps a little bit too winky naughty for my tastes, but it's like eh, I, we realize this episode doesn't make a lot of sense, and we realize that 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 the scene has absolutely no uh, value at all in terms of advancing the plot. But we know you like it, right? Right. Well, I I really I really responded to the action scene. I really responded to Hector riding into town with his posse, and they're shooting everybody up, and Paint It Black is playing. I love the music selection. Oh, it was this great. Episode. It was great. But but, but you know, like to what end? Because it's just a, a re, re-ripe we do, you know, like whoop, well, rewind. Well, I, I think that depends on how much you're resonating with the idea that yeah. th- that there might be something bubbling under the surface for these hosts, that there might be something there, that there might be a ghost in the machine. Uh, and I think that that's certainly what the show is driving at, is that there is a little bit more than meets the eyes Transformers style to these hosts, that there is a little bit of personality in here, that there's a little bit of soul, and that's to be explored. And so I, I, I thought it was really compelling, not just the stage of the action scene, which was really great and really exciting, but the way that it ends with uh, with Hector, you know, he's about to give this big monologue and he just gets popped, and his you know his partner gets shot shortly after, and you just have the guy just laughing and lording over their body, and like that's so like you said, you you keep mentioning video games, you know, and and that's definitely there's an element of that here at play in Westworld in the concept of what this theme park even is. Um, so it it made me feel uncomfortable because I've certainly been. The guy in a video game who's like you know shot the pedestrian and it was so much fun to like go on a crazy grand theft auto rampage but when you see it and when you see it with you know physical beings you know things that are designed to look remarkably like a person right in front of you and that's the world that these people are existing in for me that's that's really unsettling um it's still entertaining to watch but it's unsettling at the same time so for me that was successful yeah, I, no, I, like I said, I get it. It, it. it really is, and there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting philosophical discussions that can be had about this. Like, you know, is is glorifying violence in this way for our entertainment, which is what this scene in this show is doing for us, the viewer, right? Um, you know, what is what value does that put on me? And I, 
I'm willing to say that, look, these are actors. They're going to get up at the end of the day. They're going to go change into their clothes and go home. So I don't, I don't care. Like in terms of like, no one actually was hurt. And if it, if it, if throwing myself into this means I'm not actually going to go out and shoot people up, then, then thumbs up, you know, <laughs> um, you know, not that I'm ever going to do that, but like some, for some people, maybe the escapism is what saves them from a- acting out in real life. And so I'm totally on board with, with having the scene in there, but, um, I'm also, struggling with the fact that as a narrative purpose, it doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. I, I want to go back to, um, the Anthony Hopkins character. Cause first of all, it's incredible that we're going to have, you know, weekly television with Anthony Hopkins. Like, oh yeah. What, the, how, what world do we live on where we deserve to have Anthony Hopkins on our TV every single week? It's incredible. It's majestic. It's pretty darn cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty sweet. I mean, Ed Harris as well, but really, like, the Anth- the weekly Anthony Hopkins show. Like, I could have seen, you know, Ed Harris getting to that point in his career where he's like, you know what, I'd like to do a weekly show. That sounds fun. Like, I can get, you know, I can get on board with that. But Hopkins, that really shocks me that he would sign up for something like this. And I think that his character, you mentioned him as one of the people that you're most interested in right now, and I would totally agree, because I think that there is some purposeful ambiguity with him. You get the sense that, you know, he's Robert Ford, he's the creative director, of West, uh, Westeros World. Drink, drink. He's the creative director and he is the guy who's like, you know, the chief architect behind this stuff. And he's the genius. He's the dreamer of dreams. He's the Willy Wonka of this place. Aww. But is he, you know, is he a Willy Wonka who is no longer happy with his chocolate factory? And I think that you touched on something interesting of the idea of are these reveries and these glitches that are happening, are they just glitches? Or do you think that maybe he has something up his sleeve? Is this something that maybe he's driving at? Does he have a purpose for putting these things and can he see the bullets coming on this a little bit? I think that that's a question that the pilot is uh, is definitely lobbing up into the air. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, he's a, he's a guy who's clearly on his way out. Um, he's not getting any younger. Uh, maybe he's not getting any older if he ends up being a robot too, because who knows? <laughs> right. But uh, you have to ask that about everybody in this show, basically, at some point. I'm is, sure. that, is that something that we're going to have to keep track? It's like, are you secretly a robot? We just don't know. I, I think I think so. <laughs> yeah. Until we see, uh, until we see the the actual death of a character and they don't get rebooted, yes. But um, no, but you know, let's assume that everything's at face value and uh, outside of the James Martin bait and switch at the beginning, right. that we're going to be. Yeah, yes, everything is is upfront. So you know he's not getting any older. He's been creating these things forever, and they don't actually. Exist. These are his children, but they're not his children because they're not getting older. They're not changing. They're not growing. They are staying at their exact same point of, of where they're programmed. And in order to change them, you actually have to wipe the old and put on the new. And they don't change from day to day. And perhaps he wants his legacy to be that he has his children, you know, grow up. And so I can totally see that being kind of this, this very paternal kind of, uh, indulgence from him that he wants to leave a legacy he doesn't have time left and and now's the time to do this yeah no i think it's an interesting possibility Uh, i think that there's some really cool stuff surrounding that character and what do you think about dolores being the oldest host here in westworld and being somebody who has all of this backstory and all this possibility of where she could go from there and her hitting the fly and clearly things are moving in 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 an interesting direction for that character is that a character you're looking forward to tracking 
Well, yeah. I mean, uh, the, you know, she's doing a really good job. Uh, Evan Rachel Wood is doing a great job in the in the acting of it. I, I think I've never. It, I was never a big fan of her, honestly. I, I this is definitely the most that I've ever enjoyed her. But I think I'm just still saddled with her True Blood <laughs> performance, which I really did not care for as the uh, yeah, vampire I'm queen of Louisiana. Person, so it, yeah. uh, I'm coming in pretty much clean slate on good, her. Good but, for you. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think she's doing a good job. I mean, you know, it's it's um, a situation where. I would love to see how she takes that base and, and, and changes it. She's one of the few uh, characters on the show who has been given that kind of opportunity to do more than one thing. Um, be, you know, between her and her father, the, you know, we saw the father switch from, from all his old roles, go back to your previous programming, you know, and so we saw him do that. And, you know, by removing her accent, you know, she was able to, like, give a different nuanced performance. And so I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, is this something where they can all become chameleons and just move from, you know, uh, personality to personality from all the things they've played. And if so, then she's got the biggest bank of memories to pull from, which makes her the most valuable. What do you think is more likely that she and Teddy will wind up together by the end of the series or Teddy will be killed a million times? <laughs> well, I hope Teddy's killed every episode <laughs> and it comes a running gag because that's, Teddy. that's just darn funny. No, I mean, at some point, like I think the, the, uh, you need to have the reboot nature of the hosts disappear because otherwise the, you know, talk about plot armor. Right, right, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's if great no... job security for the people yeah. who got to play the hosts on this show, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think they will be together because I think one of the comments from this first episode was, was you know, he said, ah, I don't understand why they paired you off. And, uh, you know, isn't that bizarre that you two are scripted to be together? Well, right. I don't think they would be necessarily. I, I think that might be something that, um, you know, in Teddy's programming, he's designed to love Dolores and maybe she doesn't love him. <laughs> and maybe he, you know, he becomes kind of this jilted suitor and, you know, through that jealousy is being able to be manipulated in a certain way. I, I think there's so many possibilities here. So I'm really excited about, yeah, I don't, I don't want everyone to think I'm like just poo-pooing on the show. I'm really excited about the possibilities. I just think they have to get to them uh, within three, four episodes or then this whole first season. What was the point? Yeah. Uh, what do you think the the lifespan of this show is going to be? The numbers are in. It debuted. Westworld debuted with 3.3 million viewers. It's the best premiere for HBO in several years since uh, the first season of True Detective, uh, which was itself the best premiere since Boardwalk Empire back in 2010. Uh, it's definitely HBO, I think, really needs a big hit here. 3.3 million viewers is just about a million viewers shy of what Game of Thrones debuted with, and Game of Thrones comes to the table with tons of fans from the books and obviously this big premise that is not being seen anywhere else on television. Do you think that Westworld is going to continue to have the success that it clearly has had here with this premiere? Do you think that people are going to latch onto it? Do you think that it's got legs? Um, I think it, I think it may have legs. Absolutely. I think a lot depends on the next two, three episodes and if they're able to develop the story, uh, more than just the, you know, the freshness of seeing these actors in this environment. Uh, certainly that has to, uh, pick up in high gear. Also, I mean, you know, what else was on opposite this? Not a whole lot. Uh, how dare that, you fear the walking dead? How yeah, but well, you know, when Rick and company come back, I don't know. <laughs> if, you know, if they're opposite each other, that could 
change the game a little bit here. And if it's a huge drop off, there's a problem. I mean, with time shifting, who cares? HBO shouldn't really care as long as people watch it. It doesn't matter if they watch it at the time it airs for the first time. Um, so there's that. Uh, I think, you know, they got their first season. They'll get a second season for sure. I think, um, you know, the leftovers has only got one season left and it's, it's gone. So I think having four shows in rotation. So, you know, 10 episodes each that pretty much covers the calendar year with a few weeks in between each, each series. I think that's what HBO really needs in this time slot. I think this can fulfill that for several years to come. Uh, so long as the cast wants to stay on board and as long as the storyline is able to really, um, you know, not run itself into the ground too soon uh, and not like screw the pooch on what could be a really interesting concept down the line. I mean, this is Westworld. Next year could be Westworld, but it could be in one of the other parks if they wanted. They could change the setting and change, you know, there's something that could be done from this naturally just from the source material. Uh, And we know they do a nice job on HBO of taking source material and stretching it as far as they can before they have to go out on their own. Yes. Do you think that that's somewhere that that that's a direction that we're going to go in eventually? Do you think that, like, can you see the final season of Westworld not even taking place in Westworld? Oh, yeah, at this point, sure. I mean, I'm really interested. There's one thing about this that uh, I didn't quite even understand is, like, what are they looking at when they're looking into Westworld? It looks like they're looking at, like, in a miniature kind of thing, and they're, they're going into this thing. Right, like, it's like this little, like, holographic, but not quite a hologram, like, there's sort of map that they're able to look at. I mean, that fascinates me. Is 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 it even possible that, like, everyone gets shrunk down to miniature and all these things get shrunk down? And, Honey, and I sent- shrunk the hosts? Yeah, but, like, some, it's, it's weird. If Rick Moranis shows up on Westworld, I'm ready to, to declare this the greatest show in the history of shows. <laughs> Would it is better than Alf on Mr. Robot? <laughs> no, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But now, no, Alf I mean, shows up in Westworld. Now we're talking. Yeah, it's like since I don't know the nature of the world just yet, like I said, not only do we not know the outside world, although with that photograph we kind of assume that it's at least partially similar to the outside world we know. But like, is this a world that's so self-contained that, that it, there's no interaction with the outside world possible? Or is this something where they could escape from here and then move out and, and, you know, spread out across the real world and, you know, kind of like, you know, crossing that, uh, space jam cartoon, real life barrier or something, you know, something like that where you're like, Oh, Oh no, they're, they're escaped in the real world. And then you get bounty hunters and it turns into a blade runner sort of thing. Maybe. Right. Yeah. If you get James Marsden, uh, in like a slam dunk competition with Michael Jordan, then now I'm out. Now I'm <laughs> at that point. That's going to be, that's going to be, it'll be interesting to see, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I love the fact that HBO is willing to take chances on shows like this. And, uh, you know, am I a little concerned about the amount of time it took for this to actually make the air from when they started? Yeah, a little bit. But, you know, hopefully, um, maybe it was just a pilot that needed a little course direction. And I'm, I'm willing to give them, I'm certainly coming back for episode two. You know? Yeah, long, a long road to, to get Westworld on the air, for sure. Uh, you know, it definitely has been in development forever. And, you know, all of the issues with uh, the production stops that I think that the people involved with the show are saying were a blessing. But I think that's the thing that you say, no matter what, maybe it was a blessing. But if it was a curse, you're not going to say it was bad, you know. So who knows? Who knows what the true story is there? Uh, but we'll certainly see it in the weeks ahead. Now, if Joe were here, she would have made like a thousand bold predictions about where the story is going from here. Give me like two, two of your wildest predictions of where you think Westworld is going to go in the weeks ahead. Grand, grand, uh, overarching storyline next few weeks. Let's see. Okay, I, I, I have to think. That because they bait and switched us in the first scene that set the tone that Ed Harris is a good guy. Okay. 
I, the gunslinger is good. Um, that's something that I think they're going down that path, and the, the horrible things that he's doing right now are not what they see, especially because there's nobody uh, who's been coming to the park longer, and there's nobody who knows better than he that uh, he's not really doing any harm. So he, he can afford to like be cavalier about how he treats these things. So you think you know when he's saying like there's a deeper level to the game, and I want to hit the deeper level of the game. You think it's not the player that is the person that we should be afraid of, but the game itself, and the game masters are the ones that we should be a little bit more concerned with. Yeah, I, I think the, the horrible people will be will be the human scientists, yeah. uh, or at least some of them. Um, and the other thing, I guess. I can I can see let, let's go with this. Let's go with Dolores having the highest human body count by the end of the season. Yeah. So you think that she's just going to go full scale T1000 and just annihilate some people. I'm not sure if she's going to go full scale, but I think she's going to she's have go like probably, a half a half T1000. She's going to have the least remorse about doing what needs to be done to liberate her people per se, and I think that by the end of season 1, she has the highest body count of actual humans. She certainly has a head start. You know, she's already got. I don't know if we're counting a, a fly as part of the body. <laughs> yeah. uh, how about in terms of Teddy's kill count? I mean, we already said that Teddy is going to be killed a lot. What's the official prediction? How many times will Teddy die over the course of season one of Westworld? Um, Give me a right. number. Number on the board. We will revisit once we reach the finale. All right. I will say that if. Assuming he dies in, in episode two, uh-huh. <laughs> which, which makes it a thing, because it will either be just three for the entire year, yeah, because he won't do it again until like the finale or something. If he dies at least once next episode, I would say it'd be pretty darn funny to just go to that well every episode. So I will say 14. 14 deaths. Okay, we will see if we get 14 <laughs> Teddy deaths by the end of season one of Westworld. All right, hashtag time. There is You Killed Teddy was really, really funny. Uh, but I personally really loved hashtag I like Paolo. Uh, so, so take your pick, people. Either one of those is going to work for me. Uh, uh, all right, I'm on board with those as right. well. Sweet, awesome. All right, follow AJ. He's on Twitter at AJ Mass. AJ, what else are you working on right now? Uh, pretty much, uh, you can find me and uh, Mike Bloom doing uh, podcasts about movies on the Hamster Factor. Definitely check into that. And I think you and I might have talked a little bit about Mr. Robot recently. Yes, indeed. AJ and I and Antonio Mazzara, we have done, uh, we have recorded a podcast about Mr. Robot. We are continuing our postseason coverage of Mr. Robot here on Post Show Recaps. AJ joined us to talk about his takes on that show. Huge fan of the show. Really, really great conversation we had with AJ earlier today. So look out for that that's going to hit on postshowrecaps.com slash Mr. Robot iTunes if you haven't subscribed to our Mr. Robot feed that's the way to do it you can also subscribe to our Westworld feed here on postshowrecaps postshowrecaps.com slash Westworld we are officially open for business we're going to have an email address that you can send questions into as well Westworld at postshowrecaps.com and the incredible Joe Garfine grabbed the URL welcome to westworld.com so that will link to our shows as well once she has that all set up. AJ, thanks so much for filling in for Joe. Definitely great to have some of that dropship energy here while Joe is busy palling around on Hawaii. Yeah, I mean, definitely thanks for Hawaii reaching out. Is right <laughs> yeah, and, and folks out there, remember, it is Westworld, not Westeros World. Not if you West have been drinking every time Josh said that, you probably need to go into detox right now. I hope you guys um, weren't working. I hope that it was, you know, that you're of age and that you are listening to this on your night off. If that and, and, and please, Josh, uh, give Joe a nice big Adele Adele for me. I will. I don't fully know what that means, but I will do exactly that. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, man. That is exactly what I will do. All right, AJ, thanks so much. And we will be back next week when Joe is back from vacation talking about episode two of Westworld. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.